everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bitch Breathe, our very first in 2021. So I hope you all had a smooth transition from that last indescribable year to this one that you did indeed find some time, find some opportunity to be with at least some of your loved ones and that there are reasons for you to look forward to 2021. So this year uh, might mean a lot of things for us, many of which we don't know, but maybe some of us are getting married. And I thought I would love to talk about marriage. And so this is part one of a double episode about the marriage myth. So I loved marriage, both of them. (laughs) I um, had a significant amount of years when I really, really enjoyed being married. I guess that's why I did it twice. I believe in it in a way that I think it's such, such a wonderful thing to show your commitment to this other person and a whole bunch of other people whose plates and food you paid way too much for. <laughs> but um, I just think it's a beautiful ritual, one of those old old rituals that we as a species have uh, pursued for God only knows how many centuries. I I really do love weddings even. I love going to weddings. It um, doesn't even matter if I know the couple or not. I always end up crying because, again, I love marriages. I'm a total victim of Hollywood, if you will. In fact, one of my best friends is always saying, what is with the Hollywood shit? Why do you always have to make everything so bigger than life when it comes to romance? But what are you going to do? I just really love it. I even love rom-coms. In fact, one of my top five favorite movies is a movie with John Cusack, and it's very cheesy and very marriage, pro-marriage, and it's serendipity. I do advise you to check it out, even if it is a bit of a Christmas movie. Anyway, see how I get into this thing about marriage? I could just talk just about my enthusiasm forever. Okay, but again... Um, just because I love Hollywood doesn't mean I have to believe everything that Hollywood sells me. And um, that marriage or the marriage myth, as this episode is called, sells me. So I wanted to share with you today some of the myths. And in this part one, I'm going to talk about the myths around being married. And in the second part, we're going to talk about all the myths that surround the end of a marriage. So I thought this is something um, so, how do you say, omnipresent. It's such a concept. If you just name the word marriage, everybody's got an opinion on it. Maybe a lot of them have experiences about it. But certainly we all have some sort of um, idea, expectations, dreams about this particular uh, ritual that we go through. So let me begin with myth number one. Um, I got married the first time when I was rather young. I was only 24, and I was a very young 24. And my idea of this marriage, because it was also a bit of a shotgun marriage, to be quite honest. I mean, I loved my husband, but we weren't going to get married just yet. Um, The reason we sort of sped the whole thing up was because my insurance wasn't going to (laughs) cover This is so funny now. I don't know why this makes me laugh. But my insurance in the States back in New York at the time was only going to cover me up until the birth. 
but the birth itself was not going to be covered. So that seemed a little strange and a little dangerous. And I was also married to a Korean guy or getting married to a Korean guy. So my Korean family was very determined to have us married before the baby came. So myth number one was for me that this has to last forever. Um, I know that a lot of have, a lot of us have been uh, disillusioned by now about how long marriage has to last. But honestly speaking, especially when there are children involved, don't you really want it to last? Like, isn't that something you're really kind of expecting? Otherwise, why would you get married if you don't think it's forever, right? And I certainly did. I thought that if this didn't last forever, um, that was going to be a failure. In fact, people often speak of this word, a failed marriage. However, if somebody was together for 20 years, they don't talk of a failed relationship. It's just, well, the relationship is now over. So what I want to say about this first myth, if you will, is that it doesn't have to last forever, right? I've known excellent marriages that ended after five years, and I've seen horrible marriages that were kept alive um, you know, sort of like lying in a coma for 20, 30 years. And the truth is, it doesn't have to last forever, right? That doesn't mean we don't think about what we're doing. We, that, that doesn't mean we don't understand the consequences of what this means. Let's not even get into the financials and all the pressure of doing this in front of other people and stuff. I don't mean any of those things, but I don't think we have to go into this thinking that we are only going to be together until, as the vow says, death do us part. Not true. Doesn't have to be that way. Myth number two, everything is about compromise. So when I first started being married, this is certainly something that I believed in and that I had been told by older generations, you know, those wise people who came before us. And I thought that if I want this to last, we have to sort of smooth out each other's edges a little bit. And, you know, really the whole idea of give and take and um, especially my second marriage where my husband and I were very different people. I always looked to bridge this incredible divide, which <laughs> especially my second marriage was um, really, really huge, right? So I thought, no, Ricardia, you have to compromise. This is what marriage is all about. It's hard work. Everybody says you got to dig your heels in and really, really try to work to get everything sort of 50-50. After my second marriage had been lasting for maybe five or six years, very happy years, I might add, I start to think, you know, this compromise thing, I feel like it means that everybody only gets half of what they didn't really want in the first place. So uh, let's say you have vacation plans and, you know, you want to go to Machu Picchu, right, which I still want to do, and the other guy really just wants to go surfing at a beach. So uh, the compromise would be, of course, that maybe you find a place where you can both um, see mountains and um, uh, go surfing. I think in California, you could probably do that, right? So you could go to California. Hey, that sounds like a nice plan. I can imagine worse things than spending my time in California together. But it always rubbed me the wrong way that um, you, you couldn't have 
what you wanted, which was Machu Picchu. I mean, you have a life as well that is yours, and you have individual dreams separate from this unit of marriage. So why do you have to forego something that is really, really huge on, let's say, your bucket list? Right. And it wasn't until Marshall Rosenberg, you've probably heard of the guy, nonviolent communication, um, where he says, you know, in nonviolent communication, in conflict or whatever, it's not about a compromise. It's about having your needs met. And I thought, oh, that's a bit of an epiphany, because for all I knew, I thought, no, you have to like really just, you know, stay calm, understand that this is a marriage And then only get half of what you, like I said, only half wanted in the first place. But Marshall Rosenberg says, um, no, you talk about the needs that you have. You then express a, um, a wish of how you would like this to go down. And then the other person also looks at their needs and what they think they need to come out of this conflict or, or a conflict of interest in a way that doesn't feel like a lousy little compromise. I don't know. Compromises, uh, I don't know, like stale bread doesn't doesn't gel with my with my thinking, as you might have noticed. So I thought that was really great. So if it's the Machu Picchu and surfing plan, then maybe it's about taking a vacation separate from each other. I mean, do you always have to go on the same vacation at the same time because you're married? Do you always have to be in agreement of how time is spent? Um, I don't think so. Again, as you know, this is always my opinion. Um, that doesn't mean that... Um, You know, you can't uh, you can't always be in pulling in the same direction. Great for you. But my thinking is two units, two separate people who have decided to spend some of their lives together. But that doesn't mean you have to compromise on everything. Myth number three. There's this understanding that marriage ends because um You know, you get too familiar or maybe, um, and so we have all these uh, ideas, but really marriage um, doesn't kill marriage. Cohabitation does. So maybe you're already guessing where I'm going with this. I often, like I said, I really liked being married. What I didn't like at all was the cohabitation sometimes, the, the living together, because I felt like the respect and freedom eroded while I watched. Yeah. So whether it was the old cliche of one is tidying up and the other isn't, or, um, you know, one says I'm going to be home at this time after work and the other prepared a meal, maybe whatever these domestic disputes are, I always felt like it wasn't marriage per se. It's not because I said I want to be with this person for the next foreseeable future or decades or my whole life. It was the whole living together that just made everything not just boring, but really, really challenging. And trust me, I loved, you know, slouching down with the babe on the couch on a Sunday night and watching a movie, being really familiar, not just having a drawer at this person's place, but actually living there together, waking up, having breakfast, and all these things. Those things are wonderful. And I still love them. I do. But the question really is, is do you have to live together the whole time now that you're married? And from what I can say from my own experience, I don't think so. And if I get married again, which 
there's a chance I might. Hey, if it's good enough for J-Lo. <laughs> but um, if I were to get married again, I would very seriously consider not living with this other person. Of course, if you have children together, maybe that's a different story, and I totally get it. But even then, I've seen couples live in the same building with each other. And then one apartment was sort of the work-study place, and the other was the living area. And it allowed for a lot of freedom of movement and thought and living. So whatever the combo is, I just think it's a nice idea to think about whether marriage automatically has to lead to living together. Um, in my case, my kid's already grown, so I don't have to worry about living in the same space because now there are children. But I have to say, if I'd had the kind of partner who also loved their freedom as much as I now do, I think it might be a really workable model. That was myth number three. Myth number four. We must always be faithful to each other. Hmm. Fidelity. If that isn't a big topic around marriage, then I don't know what is. And it's a tricky one. I really, really think it's a very, very sticky and icky and um, altogether puzzling uh, concept, really. And the reason I brought this up is because I live in a city where there are so many models of cohabitation, um, romance, monogamy, uh, polyamorous, um, I think I came across a word called thruple the other day, which I'm guessing is a couple plus a third person. And so there are all these models. And I think a lot of times we're very judgmental towards how people conduct their two together thing, right? Like we feel there's this need to really, really stick it out together. After all, if you're not going to stick it out together as two people, then why the hell are you getting married? Then you might as well just not be married and just, you know, play the field. And for a long time, I thought the same thing. I thought, well, why would you get married and then feel the need to sort of play around like that? But the truth is, and I know that a lot of people think this is an apologetic argument, but I really do believe that the truth is you don't have to be faithful to be honest with each other. And I think honesty is the value that I would like to look for in my relationships, my long-term relationships going forward. Now, I'm not saying I would be able to tolerate other partners next to me because that takes a lot of communication. Like It takes a lot of safety respect. And it's a whole lot more work than just the two of you together, because you really now have changed the rules of engagement. There are more players in this game. And so it takes besides all the logistics and everything, which to be honest, I don't feel I want to get engaged with. But apart from the logistics, it really, really takes an incredibly solid connection for this to work. So I'm not advocating Mm, you know, more more people, more marriage sort of thing. Like I'm not uh, advocating that. I'm also not advocating the monogamous relationships as we've known them for centuries. What I would like to advocate is the idea that there are different models or like my Irish friend sa likes to say, different horses for different courses, right? And 
Yes, there's a lot of risk in experimenting with this, but if we've been together for a long time, maybe our kids are already grown, maybe we really, really respect each other, we love um, each other, we want to be together because we think we have a mission still with each other. But there are also sort of other aspects of life, of, of engagement that we want to explore that does not have to mean the end of a marriage necessarily. Again, very sticky subject. If you're not even remotely on the same page with your partner, this could be a really negative game changer. So that all said, it obviously depends on the two individuals that you are. And my last sort of marriage myth that I would like to uh, share with you, myth number five, is the idea that this will never change. So in both of my marriages, my first marriage, my second marriage, my experience was that a marriage does not necessarily end, you know, the year that it ends or the month that it ends. That ending is probably a long time coming, right? Um, maybe sometimes you already guess it. Probably you do, uh, especially if you're a woman and your intuition works fairly well. Um, but that said, that marriage doesn't necessarily end in that year. Um, you know, we also have this whole thing where we stay and we think that nothing will ever change here. And so the logical consequence might be to separate, right? But my, what I'm trying to advocate, having a hard time getting to the point on this one, um, what I'm trying to sort of look at is, does it not, does it not change? Because my experience has been that it does. Sometimes through marriage counseling, yes, I've found partners to be very reluctant to go to marriage counseling, so I don't have any actual experience there. But I think that something really can change when we do. And this is not a new insight, right? We've heard it, especially if we're in any way in the spiritual traditions, um, that the only person we can change is us. But where I'm trying to go with this whole change idea is that when I started to change, this is especially ap applicable to my second marriage, I became a yoga teacher, I left the very toxic mm, work environment of film and acting, and I started to notice all these changes in me. And I didn't think that any change would happen in my husband just because I'm a yoga teacher. I'm obviously not becoming a yoga teacher just so my husband will, you know, start staying home more or whatever it is that we would require from our partners. No, I became a yoga teacher because the pain of who I was personally, separate from my marriage, was becoming too much to bear. I had to do something about me. So when that happened, I did notice changes in my husband. Um, you know, whenever I didn't blow up, we used to have incredibly temperamental fights. We would, I mean, objects would literally fly through the air. And I used to love all the drama, right? It just felt so Italian to me <laughs> and so cool. But um, that changed. I didn't have these kinds of fights as much anymore. They still occurred, but at a much lower frequency because then my husband also didn't escalate. Um, and even though the ultimate change of me became the ultimate end in our marriage in some ways, because I think not because I left because now I was so enlightened, I left because staying had become impossible 
because of the own my own changes that I had gone through and because of the kind of well changes my husband was making so really this whole idea that nothing will ever change it's just not true if you are willing to put in the work and to look at what it is that you're bringing to the table that's really not working i i almost want to promise you that things will shift around and if that shift means that your marriage ends then that's the change that needed to happen and that will be the second part of this uh episode or or podcast rather um the marriage myth here was about being married and in the next episode we're going to talk about all the myths surrounding marriage ending so i hope this was useful to you i'm so curious to hear what your marriage experience is and maybe you have things to add what other myths are there that you feel um really need to be put to rest So just a little reminder, we have a Facebook group now. It's called Bitch Breathe, so you can easily find it just by um, looking for the name. I will also pop the um, URL in the show notes here. If you'd like to write to me more privately, please, please do. I love hearing from you. The email address is bitchbreathe at gmx.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Have a wonderful, happy new year and stay well.